Good morning and welcome to another edition of the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. You never know what time this show is going to air, but the one thing is a fact that this train will be coming up the track and building up a head of steam. So if you don't have a ticket, you better grab your ticket and get on board, buckle up, and enjoy the ride because this train will take you on a journey. This is your truly Anthony Smith. And to get things started, we know that there was a hiring of a football coach this week, and we want to talk about that this Friday morning. He's a Hall of Famer. He's if he's not the only one, he's one of the only ones who have played in both Super Bowl and World Series. He's probably Greatest player to ever wear the number 21 in the NFL. Could talk to his wife, could talk to opposing wide receivers and tell them, this is how you beat me, without telling you how to beat him because he always had a trick up his sleeve. Talking about none other than Deion Sanders, who was hired not by a Power 5 school, and a lot is being said that maybe Florida State missed out. There are some in the mainstream media that probably say that would have been a bad hire. That remains to be seen. But what is known is Deion Sanders will be coaching at an HBCU school. And I think that's a darn good move. Historically, black colleges and universities, HBCUs, have produced 29 players who ended up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Everyone from Jerry Rice, Mississippi Valley State, to Michael Strahan, Texas Southern, to Aeneas Williams, Southern. But if we're honest, football at HBCUs is an afterthought these days. Deion Sanders can change all of that. Seriously, Jackson State named him his 21st coach on Monday at an on-campus news conference full of the pomp and circumstances you would expect Sanders and an HBCU arriving behind a marching band, police escort, and luxury SUVs for his formal introduction. Before Sanders takes on his first college job, he will finish this season as offensive coordinator at Trinity Christian School in South Dallas, where his son, Shadur, plays quarterback and has committed to Florida Atlantic. Sanders replaces John Hendry, who was fired last month with a record of 6-9. Jackson State, which has not had a winning year since 2013, will start its season with the rest of the Southwestern Athletic Conference in the spring because of COVID-19. Sanders, the only man to play in a Super Bowl and World Series, has always welcomed challenges. This is one of the biggest challenges Sanders has ever faced because of the scrutiny that accompanies his new job and the critics waiting for him to fail, in part because he didn't take a traditional path to get this this job. After all, Sanders has never coached at the collegiate level. Then again, neither had Todd Dodge when the University of North Texas hired him in 2007 after he won three consecutive state class 5A championships South Lake Carroll in suburban Dallas. And neither had Gary 
Styles for Notre Dame hired him in 1981 after 18 seasons at perennial powerhouse Motor High School in Cincinnati. So precedents exist for this type of bold move. This is what I've been doing my whole life. I've been called to take things to another level. Sanders says Sunday on his podcast, 21st and Prime. What God is calling me to now, I'm ecstatic. It's my people. It's my people I get to touch. A multitude of the parents are the same age as me. I can't wait. I'm so excited. I can't wait to touch the grass. I can't wait to put that whistle in my mouth. I can't wait to start drawing a place. The biggest question is whether Sanders can be a CEO of college of a college program and manage more than 100 players, assistant coaches, and support staff. It all starts with the staff. Sanders said he expects his staff to have eight assistant coaches who either played or coached in the NFL. They must be grinders because there is nothing glamorous about coaching college football. You're either preparing for a practice a game or recruit. Downtime is for other people. Sanders' most important staff member will be his NCAA compliance officer because of the organization's draconian rules. Plus, any prominent player who signs with Jackson State is going to have his recruitment scrutinized like none other. Now, Sanders made mistakes at Prime Prep Academy, the charter school he co-founded in 2013 that closed after months of controversy in 2015. Among a few issues with the school was financial mismanagement. According to investigation by the Dallas Morning News in 2016, building a school from scratch is something Sanders doesn't have to do at Jackson State. Sanders has made it clear he wants to recruit some of the nation's best players. His name and credentials will get him in the home of almost any recruit. And no other time exists for Sanders to recruit elite black athletes like black athletes to an HBCU. In June, Makura Maker, a five-star basketball player committed to Howard over UCLA, and in August, 6'3", Twin volleyball players Simone and Bria Woodard changed their verbal commitment from Texas A&M to Howard. Sanders has shown his commitment to HBCUs. He announced the HBCU Combine earlier this year, which was organized to highlight 50 hand-picked athletes from HBCUs ahead of the NFL draft, but the event was canceled due to COVID-19. Our country is fractured, and too many folks think it's cool to cheer for black athletes when they score touchdowns as long as they aren't dating their sons or daughters or staying too far off campus. What if Sanders signs some of the best college football players because he can sell the one thing Power 5 schools can't, a sense of community and belonging? At HBCUs, black students get a sense of community that doesn't happen at predominantly white schools. History lessons go beyond Harriet Tubman and Martin Luther King Jr. It can be hard to love yourself 
you don't really know who you are and where you came from. And in HBCU, it's cool to be unapologetically black and embrace all that means. Why not? Isn't this the time? Sanders said. Isn't this the moment? Isn't this what's needed? To match what Jackson State President Thomas Hudson so eloquently said, it's a match made in heaven. This is a God move. And there you have it. The hiring of Deion Sanders to Jackson State. But it doesn't stop there. Building up some more steam. Two HBCU football players named to AFCA Good Works team. Two football players Two football players from historically black colleges and universities were named to the 2020 All-State American Football Coaches Association, also known as AFCA, Good Works Team Wednesday morning, becoming the ninth and tenth players from HBCUs to be recognized in the team's 28-year history. Howard wide receiver Deshaun Simon and North Carolina Central defensive back Stephen Stokes were two of the 22 college football players selected to the roster, which annually recognizes players who perform what the AFCA calls good works in their communities through volunteer work and service. The selections of Simon and Stokes also marked the first time multiple HBCU players were named to the team in the same season. Other members of the 2020 roster include Clemson, quarterback and Heisman Trophy favorite Trevor Lawrence, Oklahoma State running back Chuba Hubbard, and Texas quarterback Sam Ellinger. Players are selected from the Division I Football Bowl subdivision and Football Championship subdivision, Division II, Division III, and National Associations of Intercollegiate Athletics. Simon, a freshman from Baltimore, was nominated for his volunteering at a local boys and girls club and his work as trainer with the Grassroot Project, a Washington-based nonprofit that promotes health education in local K-12 schools. Stokes, a redshirt senior also from Baltimore, participates in the Big Brothers, Big Sisters of America program and in the wake of COVID-19 pandemic, helped create at-home workout videos for children in partnership with the Police Athletic League. Stokes is the fourth North Carolina Central player to be named to the team, the most of any HBCU, including 2018 member and current Tampa Bay Buccaneers lineman Nick Leverett. The Good Works team which has recognized more than 600 players was first introduced in 1992 by the College Football Association and has been governed by the 
AFCA since 1997. Past honorees include former quarterbacks Tim Tebow, Deshaun Watson, Eli Manning, and Peyton Manning. Fayetteville State defensive back DeMarco Jeter was the first HBCU player to be named to the Good Works team in 1997. Since then, there has been he's been followed by Hampton Lyman, Michael Bland, 2000, Fayetteville State receiver, Andrew Gus Holmes, 2002, Hampton quarterback Timothy Frazier, 2003, Florida A&M linebacker Brandon Hepburn, 2012, and North Carolina Central's Jordan Reed, 2013, Carl Jones, 2016, and So there you have some positive news that goes beyond the football field that these young men will take the time to go out and volunteer into different various organizations such as Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and Boys and Girls Club of America. So, stay tuned. The train is still building up steam. I will have some more sporting news when I come back. So stay tuned. This is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Yours truly, Anthony Smith. So we're back and we're still building up steam right now. We're looking at another topic here. Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal draw backlash for pushing back on Breonna Taylor outrage. Many prominent figures in the sports world, including Los Angeles Lakers star LeBron James and Dallas Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott, have voiced their outrage against the decision to not charged Louisville police officers for the killing of Breonna Taylor. The inside NBA crew on TNT offered a different reaction on Thursday, led by Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley on Breonna Taylor. Not the same as George Floyd or Ahmaud Arbery. Before Thursday's game between Lakers and Denver Nuggets, Barkley said that Taylor's case shouldn't be lumped in with killings of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery. He pointed to Taylor's boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, firing on the plainclothes Louisville police officers that were executing a no-knock search warrant as a reason why. And one of the tweets in regards to Barkley's comment says this, Charles Barkley says you can't put the Breonna Taylor case in the same situation as George Floyd Ahmaud Arbery because of her boyfriend, because her boyfriend shot at the police. Says, I don't think this is, this one was like George Floyd or Ahmaud Arbery and things like that, Barkley said. I feel sad that this young lady lost her life. I think this one was the no-knock warrant is something we need to get rid of across the board, but I am worried to lump all these situations together. He continued, and I just feel bad that the young lady lost her life, but we do have to take into account that her boyfriend shot at the cops and shot a cop. So like I say, even though I am really sorry she lost her life, I just don't think we can put this in the same situation as George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery. Barkley found some agreement from his co-hosts, including 
Shaquille O'Neal. Shaq said, I have to agree with Charles. This one is sort of lumped in, O'Neal said. You have to get a warrant signed, and some states do allow no-knock warrants. And everyone was asking for murder charges. When you talk about murder, you have to show intent. A homicide occurred, and we're sorry a homicide occurred. When you have a warrant signed by the judge, you are doing your job, and I would imagine that you would fire back. It's worth noting that O'Neill has long expressed his expressed an affinity for the police, once even being deputized in a county in Georgia. Barkley also dismissed the defund the police movement that has emerged in the wake of the killings of George Floyd and Taylor. And the tweet in regards to that, Charles Barkley on defending the police. Who are black people supposed to call? Ghostbusters? We have a crime in our neighborhood. We need to stop the defund or abolish the police crap. The really be careful when we, you know, I hear these fools on TV talk about defund the police and things like that. We need police reform and prison reform and things like that. Because you know who ain't going to defund the cops? White neighborhood and rich neighborhood. So that notion they keep saying that, I'm like, wait a minute, we just going to leave, who, who are black people supposed to call? Ghostbusters? When we have crime in our neighborhoods, we need police reform. Like I say, white people, especially rich white people, they're always going to have cops. So we need to stop that defund or embolish the cops crap. And we, uh, you know, we started this. And there you heard comments from one Charles Barkley. Uh, predictably, such comments were met with a vocal reaction on Twitter. Uh, Lysol in E-flat responded, Ugh, Charles Barkley. At Ash Nicole Moss, she tweeted out, I know Charles Barkley did not just say on national television, I'm sad Brianna Taylor lost her life, but we can't forget her boyfriend did fire at a cop. Please tell me I heard that wrong, incorrectly. Another tweet from an at C. Williamson 44. Charles Barkley said we can't put Breonna Taylor's death in the same breath as George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery because we have to account for Breonna's boyfriend shooting at the officers. Another tweet. I don't know. I didn't know I could be this disgusted by Charles Barkley. And another tweet, and we'll get on back. It says, as they should, Barkley is wrong. People are calling Charles Barkley out for his comment on Breonna Taylor. And another tweet read thusly. I just, like, why read Brown's very heartfelt tweet about Breonna Taylor, only to follow it up with Charles Barkley basically saying, it's sad, but her boyfriend fired first so Kanye shrugged please stop talking about things if you don't have the range 
it's okay to be quiet. So that is just some of the backlash received from the comments that Charles, mainly Charles Barkley, because it didn't seem as if Shaq got too much drawback. So once again, here we are in a divisive situation, a social situation. And it would just appear to me that seem like the more that you want to push for togetherness, the more we have become divided. And I'm not one to get into talking politics, but I will say this and I will lay it out in plain black and white like this. Until blue and red comes together, this country is going to always remain divided because we are divided by the colors blue and red. We're always trying to sweep up and clean up the lower levels. But if you want to get a clean slate, you got to start at the top. Bottom line. It doesn't matter who you put in as president. You can remain with a Donald Trump. You can put in a Joe Biden or any Joe Blow. But until you decide, until you come together and try to figure out how to clean up the top and get the top to come together, it is going to be open season at the lower level. That's my political rant. That's all I have to say. I'm not going to be one of those ones that's going to have a politically laced segment on something that I want to talk about, which is called sports. Yes, I'm pretty sure at times I will have to have that uncomfortable conversation and will gladly open up and be receptive to it. But let's just face it, we're living in a culture right now where you cannot seem to separate sports from politics because now it is closely intertwined. Who's at fault? Do you blame the media? Or do you blame social media? As long as you have media credentials and you can shove a mic in somebody's mouth and ask their opinions of something, you have to be willing to accept what the answer is going to be. culture and society we live in and that's what we have to deal with now. I didn't mean to go this far into this rant but since I'm there and this is basically all off the top no script to be read this is what we have to deal with. sports ever be the same as we know it? Probably not. You know, there's one thing and even I would not say that LeBron James is the greatest of all times. I will say that LeBron has done some things to enhance communities that he's to be commended for. And I'll even as much as back him on this and this will go for anyone that gets put in this situation. I was listening to Clay Travis yesterday morning as I was getting ready for work. And if we run back to hands of time, and after this, I'm going to take a break and we'll conclude this on the other side of the break. 
a while back, LeBron was told to just shut up and dribble. In other words, you didn't want him to have a voice. Just shut up and dribble. Let that, let that resonate for a while. Because now there's been one Clay Travis who was so fired up yesterday on his Outkick the Coverage show. And anyone that listens to this, I hope you send him a link to this. I think I have him on Twitter. I'll make sure he gets this link. <laughs> yes, I want him to hear what I have to say. And I know Clay Travis, he has practiced law. But you want to blast a man that people have told you just shut up and dribble. Because when he was asked a question, his response was no comment. Now, Clay Travis, you are also part of the media. Whether you want to be a part of it or not, you bring guests on your show, you interview people. So in some roundabout way, you are a part of the media. Make up your mind. Do you want LeBron James to shut up and dribble? Or do you want him to have something to say? You can't have it both ways. You either want to shut up and dribble, or are you going to keep getting this no comment? Make up your mind. You can't have both. My bottom line is this. If you don't want the athletes to have a word to say, don't shove a mic in front of their mouth and ask them their opinion. Once again, if you want to clean up America, clean out the White House. Get rid of the colors red and blue. You know what happens when you mix red and blue together? You have purple. There's a reason they call it a purple heart. Purple is royalty. This is A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. I went a whole different direction I wasn't planning on going. But I went there. So with that being said, I'm going to take a break. And when I come back, I'll have some more. Stay tuned to A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. This is Anthony Smith. Be back after this word from my sponsor. Welcome back, and we have some NBA news. And I know this just has to be rumor, but let's go ahead and throw this out there. This 76ers Rockets trade would swap James Harden for Joel Embiid. It may seem premature to trade James Harden from the Rockets' perspective since it was just the first season with Russell Westbrook on the mix. Houston would need to determine if they believe Harden will stay long-term after moving on from D'Antoni. Being able to acquire a player like Joel Embiid by moving on it early could be appealing for the Rockets to an extent. There wouldn't be many teams in the Western Conference that would be able to clearly match up with Embiid and Houston would still have Westbrook to pair with him. The Rockets would be able to surround Westbrook Harden 
surround Westbrook and Harden with intriguing pieces like Eric Gordon, Robert Covington, and P.J. Tucker to round out the starting lineup. Having the pick and roll connection of Westbrook and Embiid with shooting and wing defenders is intriguing. The 76ers will benefit because there is already a proven connection between Mike D'Antoni and Harden. Managing to bring them to the much weaker Eastern Conference could provide them with a legitimate pathway to the NBA Finals. Philadelphia would need to have confidence in their supporting cast around Harden and Ben Simmons after moving MB. The 76ers wouldn't have much flexibility to make additional moves, so they need to make the most of their existing personnel. A lesser benefit for the 76ers is they would be able to better utilize Al Horford as the full-time center, making the contract not as much of an albatross. Additionally, Tobias Harris will be able to slot at the power forward spot as well. So there you have some possible trade rumors thrown out there between the 76ers and Houston Rockets and what those possibilities could be. Just couldn't imagine that though. So as you know, we're going to go back to this story again. This from HBCU Game Day. Deion Sanders wastes little time in offering his son a scholarship. The other Under Armour cleat may have fallen. Deion Sanders has offered his son, Shadir Sanders, a scholarship to Jackson State University. The new coach at Jackson State University extended the offer on Thursday afternoon. Shadur Sanders is one of the top-rated quarterbacks in the class of 2021. Overall, he is the number 216 prospect in his class, according to 24-7 Sports. The Texas native is the number 35 player in the state, and nationwide he is ranked as the number 14 pro-style quarterback. Deion Sanders was, a, was coy about an offer to his son earlier in the week at his press conference. He said those were things that they did not discuss in his home. Shadur Sanders tweeted out, very blessed to receive an offer from Jackson State University with the hashtag, I believe, at Coach O. Sanders had previously committed to play his college ball at Florida Atlantic for former Florida State head coach Willie Taggart. However, that was before the emergence of Coach Prime time at Jackson State. Last season, Sanders completed nearly 74% of his passes en route to a 3,459-yard season. Sanders racked up 47 touchdowns against four interceptions all year long. Sanders acknowledged the offer from his father with a tweet that read, very blessed to receive an offer from Jackson State University. Shadur Sanders is rated as a four-star player. He's listed at 6'1", 198 pounds. Another tweet, Jackson State Athletics, at Go JSU Tigers, and 
it starts out with five stars and five stars recruit and the best of the best. Are you ready? 99 JSU alums have been drafted to the NFL. Who is going to be 100? Send at Deion Sanders your information. Fill out your prospective student athlete form. So they're on the trails already. Back to the story though. Deion Sanders has not shied away from the idea of landing the top players in the country at Jackson State. Earlier in the day on Thursday, Sanders tweeted a graphic for all five stars and four-star athletes to send in their personal information. Sanders touts that 99 Jackson State players have gone on to, to play in the NFL, and he wants to know who number 100 will be. The high-profile offers have continued a week-long news cycle in what is one of the biggest stories in Jackson State history. And if you think that's something, I remember, if I can go here for a minute, listen to a local radio station here in town. Whenever I brought up the comment of elite black athletes going to HBCU schools, it drew some pushback. Because the first word that came out was, well, if they're doing it because it's where they want to be, then they're fine with it. But if they're doing it as a PR stunt, first of all, I don't think it's a PR stunt. First and foremost, though, let me just say this. You're not inside that person's head and the reason for them doing what they do. Just like no one can tell you the reason for what you're doing except you. It amazes me how people can form their opinion without knowing the person. You have to realize that this culture and society and climate that we live in is going to shape the minds and decisions of a lot of young men, especially a lot of young black or brown-skinned Americans men who are getting ready to go to college. One of the biggest fights right now is should athletes be paid and how would the NCAA go about doing that? Well, the only schools that would be able to pay these players basically successfully and get away with it, wait, and get away with it once we get beyond this pandemic that we're going through because right now the pandemic has basically put a financial crunch on a whole lot of things. Would be your PWIs, which would be your predominantly white institutions. So what happens when a five-star athlete decides, you know what, I'm going to break rank, I'm going to go to an HBCU historically black college and university. What happens? It garners attention. 
When something garners attention, chances are it's usually going to garner some exposure. Right now, the first school to get attention and exposure was when Mercure Maker decides, I'm going to Howard University. What happens later? A transfer from a predominantly white institution decides, you know what? I'm transferring to Howard University. Well, what happens with exposure? Well, what are the names of the colleges that you see on Saturday afternoons? Alabama is exposed. Why? Because they're on TV on a regular basis. Notre Dame is most likely linked with NBC, the Peacock. Exposure means more finances. People are willing to back you financially. You put a good product out on stage, people will support that. You can't tell me that the Full Air Network or even Fox. not be willing when basketball season start to converge on Howard University. Win, lose, or draw to see a five-star athlete suiting up. Eventually, other markets are going to say, well, let's ink a deal with this conference. Because I, for a long time, have said this. Before the SEC got their network, CBS was their network because on any given Saturday, you can watch any SEC game on CBS. I would have some more news. But at this time, I'm going to end this podcast and I will resume at a later time, later today, because I want to get you also ready for high school football tonight and some key matchups in the area. So until later, this is a Train Sports Talk podcast. Yours truly, Anthony Smith. I will be signing off. But check back with me later because, like I said, I will be getting you ready for high school football across the state of Kansas and will also intertwine that with high school scores later on. So until then, this is A Train Sports Talk Podcast, Anthony Smith. See you. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other. God bless.